Welcome to Unleashed at Work and Home, the show dedicated to helping veterinarians, vet techs, dog trainers, shelter and rescue workers, pet sitters, and all the other animal-crazy pet professionals manage their stress and find more joy. I'm your host, Colleen Pilar, and I'm thrilled you're here with us today. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on your favorite app so that you won't miss a single episode. This episode is brought to you by our free community, the Circle of Resilient and Thriving Pet Professionals. If you like the ideas shared here, then you're invited to continue the conversation with other lifelong learners in the community. You can find out more at ColleenPilar.com. It's the perfect place for you to learn cool stuff, feel good, and take action to create the life you love. Come join us. My guest today is Catherine Christ, who's the executive director of the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants, which is quite a mouthful. Welcome, Catherine. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. I'm so glad to talk to you. You and I met at a conference many years ago, and I just really, really enjoyed talking with you at that conference. And now to see over the years, here you are now, the executive director. Look at you. Uh, (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit about your story of how you got from little kid to executive director of IABC? That's a big question. It is a big question. I don't know if we have three hours, but I'll condense it. So it all started when I was a little kid. And shockingly, I loved dogs. (laughs) And I convinced my parents finally to um, get a dog. It was a a Brittany, which I think at the time was still called a Brittany Spaniel. So that's, I don't know if that dates me. Uh, And of course, we looked up training and how to be a trainer. And at the time, the the main and the way the direction that the industry was going was we got the Volhard techniques. And so Mm -hmm. I learned all about obedience and corrections and choke collars. And that's all that I knew. Uh, But I, I liked training and we did sneak in some food because we noticed that when you use food, your dog's happier while they're training. (laughs) And and so I sneakily used food rewards too. And I decided that someday I was going to be a dog trainer. And you know what? Sometimes dreams come true. (laughs) How old were you? Do you think you were when you decided you were going to be a dog trainer? I, I think I was around, you know, probably age seven. So it was even before we had our, I would take my neighbor's uh, German shorthead pointer on walks, uh, which involved me walking the dog until the dog ripped the leash out of my hands and ran up and down the street as German shorthaired pointers are wont to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so ever since I was very young and was entrusted with a large responsibility, (laughs) I was interested in in training and behavior, and I also rode horses, and I still, I currently own a horse, so that took about 20 years, (laughs) Um, and so just animals and animal training always fascinated me. I read all about dolphin training, and eventually I ended up uh, as a a PetSmart dog trainer. 
mm-hmm. when I was a lot younger. <laughs> so that's how my career started. I had taken a hiatus from college and did training for about a year and went back to college and switched my major into psychology <laughs> because I realized that, yeah, in order to be an effective trainer, I needed to know a lot more. So uh, at that time, I, I became interested in psychology, majored in it, and I also took a lot of animal science courses. So I, I learned how to hold a sheep. I observed pigs having pig babies. <laughs> I did a horse training class. And so a lot of my formal education wrapped into those original childhood goals. And I ended up graduating with that degree in in psychology with a, a lot of learning and behavior courses and biology and the animal science. So <laughs> after that, <laughs> I had been working with a, a local trainer, Dr. Kay Stevens. And who's a veterinarian and still works in behavior and just hurting and worked with her as a trainer. And I also supervised a service dog puppy raising program, Aggie guide dogs and service dogs in college. And so from there, it really just turned into kind of a, that, that accidental career of, you know, this is where I ended up. My original major was actually history before that. And I was, I was thinking about being a teacher but I, I ended up going back to that childhood dream and and became a dog trainer instead. Fascinating. It's it's interesting that you knew as young as seven that this might be a passion for you or like training as as a career. Because I've I've always said if anyone had asked me like in fourth grade, would you like to be a dog trainer? I would absolutely have said yes. But the questions I was being asked didn't include that as an option. So I always said veterinarian because that's what people ask animal crazy kids. Are you going to be a vet? So I said, yeah, I'm going to be a vet. But if someone had said, would you like to be a dog trainer? I would have been like, oh, the Holy Grail. Yes, that's the one. So that's so cool that you knew very young that that could be a passion for you. In addition to your other passions of history and psychology and all of the other um, things. But I think that's cool that even at a very young age, you understood that to be a, a possibility. Yeah, it is interesting. And I think that, you know, I actually have four children now myself and (laughs) them about their careers and possibilities. You know, I do think it's so important that we don't don't limit it to just the big names, you know, just you can be a lawyer or a doctor or a teacher (laughs) and and really let them explore their their individual passions and that you can turn something like that into a career as long as you, you find your path. Mm -hmm. And so here we are finding your path. So you've decided to be a dog trainer and you were at PetSmart. How do we get from PetSmart to hands full dog training? And then how do we get from hands full to IABC? Right. That's, that's a fascinating question. So what's really interesting is that somewhere in there, um, I decided that one of my other passions it's always actually been international affairs. And it's because when I was in middle school and high school, my family lived in Italy for a year and a half while my father worked there at the embassy. 
And so, so that was a time when I, I was questioning the dog training thing, <laughs> part of why I ended up originally in a history, history degree program. Um, and because it did really fascinate me. And so a, a little bit after I graduated with my psychology degree, I was still training dogs. I thought that I might want to have that international passion resurface. And I ended up getting a master's degree in international affairs from a policy school, the George Bush School of Government and Public Service attached to Texas A&M University. So after that, I ended up following my husband around to a couple little bit of remote spots that didn't have the most international connections like Kansas. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was struggling a little bit with what I wanted to do. Should I should I follow this 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 newest uh, passion that was revitalized? Should I go back to dogs? And what ended up happening at that time was I decided that dogs was the thing that I was skilled at. Um, I had the most experience in it, and I thought I would just have a dog training business for a little while until I figured out what I wanted to do when I grew up. <laughs> so I originally, I actually, um, ironically, since you talked about meeting at the conference, the person who really encouraged me the most was Jen Shryek of Family Paws, Parent mm-hmm. Education. And she encouraged me to join the IABC to become a certified dog behavior consultant because when I started my business, I really wanted to focus on the nexus of uh, families with children and dogs, which is kind of how you and I. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Shared passion. <laughs> yes. Uh, because I, as I was starting up this dog business, I realized, you know, there, there aren't a lot of trainers who focus on that or who have the fluencies with both children and dogs that love working with people and love people because you kind of have to especially when you work with kids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so hands full originally started from the fact that I have four children, my hands are full mm-hmm. and I wanted to help other people who are experiencing the same types of struggles of, you know, their, their child's running around the dog is chasing them and knocks them over. <laughs> They're having friends over and the dog says, who are you? I don't know you, but teenagers have friends in and out all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to focus here on on these types of family and household issues versus the other types of dog training um, specialties that there are. So I started Handsful Dog Training. And you know what? It's a great niche. (laughs) (laughs) When you demonstrate that you care about people and want to help them, they come to you. And so that's what happened is I put up a website specializing in this niche and lots of people came asking for lots of things because they liked the message that I cared and I was a real person and, you know, I wanted to help them. And so I ended up expanding the business well beyond that niche (laughs) and starting to work with private training clients and starting classes and, and really digging in to figure out how I can help families with dogs best, even if it doesn't mean just specializing in that one segment. Mm-hmm. So uh, I ended up growing that business. I have several employees now. Sometimes I lose count, which is embarrassing. 
but <laughs> I do have three full-time trainers who work for me that are in Kansas and, um, and I'm actually in Texas right now, which kind of goes to your next point of <laughs> what happened. <laughs> so <laughs> I ended up once again, um, my husband being a rocket scientist, uh, you know, he's, he's the smart one. So I get to follow him sometimes. <laughs> And so I followed him to Texas away from my, my Wichita, Kansas business. And I had a little bit of extra time on my hands, just a bit. (laughs) (laughs) So what, what ended up happening was I got, I got called on by some of the the members at IABC um, to, that I might be a good fit for this role. So I actually had been serving as the ethics director for a little over a year before that. And, and, um, apparently I did a good job, which is <laughs> 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 great to hear. And always great to hear, you know, this position is really the one thing I can imagine that combines those two separate passions mm-hmm. because I have the dog and behavior knowledge as a certified dog behavior consultant. And I have my master's in international affairs and I understand, you know, the global markets and and the world and history and what's going on. And I'm able to connect with people internationally. And so it's actually quite fascinating how all of that. (laughs) It really is. So I, I think that's the end of the, that story (laughs) so far. It's a a good story. It's a good story. I love, I think it's so interesting how looking backwards, we can see how things connect, but looking in the moment, it feels disjoint or like, well, I kind of hopped around a little bit, you know, like the hiatus in college where you worked at PetSmart. And then when you went back to school, it changed your focus a little bit. And and then you were still debating and then you go for the master's um, in international affairs, which seems like a veering off <laughs> right? It and, <laughs> and isn't, <laughs> it is or it isn't depending on how you choose. Um, I think that's really fascinating and cool. And I love that kind of thing. Exactly. It's, it's really interesting to, to see where those, pu- how the puzzle pieces fit together and what picture they create, you know, years yes. later, decades later. <laughs> yes. That yes. they create they created the picture I built, but I didn't know what that looked like at the time. <laughs> so, but each piece as you laid it into the mosaic was, was beautiful and valuable and it forms the whole, you know, and, and that, that's a metaphor I come back to from time to time that like, sometimes I can't tell what this exact tile does or why it's important, but it, it goes into the whole. And I'm just going to put this one little piece in here and then it will all fit together and look what you've done. Look at this. When you look back on all those choices and years and all of the work and serving different people with different um, concerns and when they aligned with your interests and when they didn't align with your interests and how that all molded and melded. And here you are now the executive director of the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. So one shift that we're doing in this podcast is we used to choose a word and the guests and I would talk about that word and I have wanted to expand that. And so now I'm asking people to share um, a thought or a quote that is meaningful to them. And then we could talk a little bit about that. And the one that you shared, 
I think fits so beautifully with what you've just shared about your story. The quote you shared um, comes from the character Gandalf from um, the Tolkien books. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. So tell me, what about that resonates with you? I think that it clarifies all of life's anxieties for me, for me it does, <laughs> is that when you, when you look at all the choices you possibly have, the things you could do or be, and our choice ev- eventually when it comes down to it is that we have this set amount of time and you can choose what to put into it. You, you, get, you get to curate your time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's not your responsibility what other people do. It's not your responsibility what the world is doing. It's your responsibility of what to do with your time that has been given to you. And, And when you see it that way, then you can take all of those concerns and crystallize them into what's the one thing I can do now that will have the the biggest impact on my goals. And what do I do with my day? And so, so, you know, when I look at my calendar and I'm, I have, you know, a, a business to run and a nonprofit to run and a horse to train and children to neglect, I mean, love and care for. <laughs> love and care for and spend time with, um, I can take that and I can go, okay, I have this much time and I'm going to prioritize the things that are the most meaningful to me and that will have the biggest impact. I'm going to write it down. And those are the things I do and everything else I'm going to stop worrying about because I, I don't have the time for that. And so, so then instead of worrying about everything you don't do, you're worrying only about how you're using that time. Does that, does that make sense? <laughs> that makes great sense. And, and it fits so well with what we're always talking about is that there really is too much we are asked to do. And so we need to make choices to decide what we will do and what we can do. And it's provided you a filter. You've given such a lovely filter here of how to decide because there are so many things clamoring for your time and attention. And um, many of them are very meaningful so that you don't want to discount them, but you need to figure out how to allocate your precious time and energy. And also you need to decide some things that others think are valuable, aren't necessarily that important for you to be worrying about. Like you don't have to be in charge of everything everyone says or does or thinks. You just need to figure out for yourself what is most meaningful. And that's a big and hard question, but having something like this, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us is a helpful filter because we forget sometimes that this is our life, that we are living it every day and every moment. And it's not when I finish this, then I can have my life. It's today while you're doing what you're doing. Right. Every moment of today is your priority. 
And what you're doing Mm -hmm. is what your priority is. And it should be the things that, that you believe will create whatever type of legacy you want or the things that fulfill you right now. And that's what I try to balance is that I've been given even a time of a pandemic, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and in that time, um, what, have, what, what am I choosing to do instead of what does everyone else expect or what is everyone else doing or what I, I think I should do? And it's my choice. I get to mm-hmm. do what is best for me and for the things that are valuable to me. So, so yes, I'm going to put some work appointments in and I'm going to put an hour to go train my horse and <laughs> prepare us to do endurance competitions together because it's my time. So instead of being everyone else's time that I'm trying to catch up to. Yes. Yes. So and and really that's what's interesting is in this quote specifically there's there's the two ways you can look at the word time and 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 that's the the way that that Gandalf means it originally is the time as in the the things that are happening around you versus just your own specific schedule and i i kind of look at it both ways um but for example, when you're living in a pandemic <laughs> and that's the time that is given to you, it, it allows you to live out your character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for example, when I, when we first had all the lockdowns, you know, I decided that my priority was going to be um, getting my employees through that. So that's Mm -hmm. what I chose to do with my time is I said, first of all, I'm going to keep paying you. (laughs) That's, that's really vital. Um, And what we're going to do with this time is we're going to um, take all of our lessons that we've been teaching people for years. We're going to put them online and then we're going to make sure that our clients have access to that so that we don't have 300 people asking for refunds (laughs) so that I can keep paying you. (laughs) And, and we spent that time creating something where we still worried. Yes. (laughs) It was not a fun time, I will say, but we knew, and they knew that it was directed towards sustainability and that they were valued. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what they saw out of it. And they're still with me and they trust me. And now we're multiple states apart, but they know that no matter what happens, I'm in their corner because that's how we dealt with that time. And that's how we dealt with our time. So, so those types of choices and decisions, you know, they, they will impact your daily schedule, but they'll impact your future. Yes. I like the double, the double reference on time, which I hadn't perceived because I'm not really a big Tolkien person. Um, when I first read the quote, and, like I'm familiar with the stories that they exist, but have I read them? No, I have not. <laughs> There's a lot of words. There's so many words <laughs> in those books. <laughs> I will. But, but the idea of of the circumstances around you being a piece of, you know, the time that is given to us. 
uh, comes up a lot when I talk with younger parents and and they're feeling so um, stressed by there are things that they would like to do that they don't currently feel that they have time or energy to do. And it's sort of the, the life seasons, like they're like maybe in this time, this time of young parenting, this isn't the time for you to do whatever the thing that's calling you is, or maybe you just do a portion of it or a piece of it, because based on your values and your needs and the things that are meaningful to you now are investing a lot of time and energy into these young people whose needs are immediate. Whereas when kids get a little bit older and a little bit more autonomous, you have a little bit more flexibility and a little bit of time to, to say, I'll be there in 10 minutes. <laughs> you just can't do that with a toddler who has had an issue, you know, oh, I'm coming eventually I'll get covered there. in ketchup. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but that, that concept of that, we are also always dealing with the, the environmental elements of our time. So the big piece of that we're living in this century, that's our time. And then a slightly smaller piece the pandemic element of it, which is a big piece, and then some smaller pieces of um, location and our own age and who's in our, our circle and what those needs are will affect not our values, but our choices of how we will spend the time that we have available to us. So that's, a, that's an interesting um, additional lens to add to this. Exactly. And it just... I have that quote. It's so cheesy, but I mean, I have it on my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, so that every time I open it, I see it every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it centers me into all, you know, all I have to do is decide and make choices, <laughs> you know, for myself about, about this time. So it's, it's so, like, it's so centering for me to stop worrying about everyone else's priorities and goals and problems (laughs) and, and, and come back to what do I want to decide that I'm doing today at 5am when I'm awake playing Wordle, (laughs) (laughs) checking, checking Facebook in preparation for the day. So I resisted Wordle for a long time, but nope, now I'm sucked in too. kept hearing about it. It was yeah. like, oh, I don't have time or energy for a game. I don't, I don't. Oh, wait. Yeah, apparently I do. <laughs> Funnily enough, I, we've actually started using it to connect with my family. We made a family Wordle Facebook chat where we post our worlds every day and connect with each other. So I think that's a good use of time. <laughs> it is because it fits within your values with family and connection and um, learning. Clearly, that learning is a huge value for you. <laughs> um, so it's it's an interesting element of choice, and that choice is so profound. Knowing that we have a choice is a first piece because often people don't see the choices that they have. They feel pushed into areas where they feel like they don't have choices. Um, and then once we know we have a choice, taking the taking the reins and saying, I'm going to make a choice. I I am choosing this is both scary and empowering. So there's that, that aspect of 
okay, here we go. I'm making this choice. So when you're thinking about the choices that you make, what helps you to know that making a choice is an active thing as opposed to just letting things happen to you? That's a very interesting question. So I think to a degree, it it's a it's a necessity and it comes out of necessity because if I open my email inbox and I have, you know, 200 emails in two different accounts, if, if I were to even think of letting those emails define what I'm doing that day, then I would never be able to accomplish my strategic priorities and, and the things that I know are important. And so being able to decide and say, I'm doing this for this amount of time, or I'm, I'm not going to answer, I'm only answering 10 and I'll do 20 tomorrow. And then I'll plan a catch up day in two more days. And those people will have to wait for me. They don't get to define my entire schedule. You know, it's the only way to move towards a goal instead of reacting to the events around you. And I think once you realize that, then it's easier to put up boundaries <laughs> and to tell people you have to wait and say, thank you. This will be a priority for next week or next month. And um, I, I think it does just become part of, uh, uh, become a necessity and become something that you automatically incorporate once you get to that point of not being able to just be responsive and also do everything you want to do, you know? Right. Right. Have you always known that? No, (laughs) no. It has been something that I've learned over many years of serving in many different roles as a business owner, um, working with the nonprofit before, volunteering. I'm working in other facets, like I'm a Girl Scout troop leader right now. <laughs> so, so I think it's something that you, to a degree, you either learn by experience and by doing it wrong and making mistakes and realizing I never prioritized this and now it's coming back to bite me. Or if you have a mentor or a coach or a network that can can help you and support you as you develop these capacities, then I think you can develop them a little faster. And so that's, that's kind of why I'm here talking to you and trying to reach people is to, to try to help empower people to know that, that, that they are the deciders and that they can put up boundaries and that they should be making decisions that, that they believe are, are best for them and and not necessarily for everyone else. Yeah. And you gave some really good tips right there on on how to do that once you're getting going with that. I'm curious if somebody is really new to this and just trying to figure out, like, how do I start to decide that I am going to make these choices? What what advice would you give to somebody right at the beginning when they're like, I don't I don't know if I can actually say no to people? So I think it comes back to defining your own values and goals first. Um, and if you if you don't know what your values are or what you're aiming at, you can't. I mean, you can't make those optimal decisions. You have to have something guiding you. So I would say first, 
sitting down with yourself and a cup of coffee and, and deciding, you know, I don't mean knowing what you want to be in life, because obviously I never thought I would be in this specific, (laughs) (laughs) but knowing the kind of impact you want to make on other people or where, where you see yourself coming out on, on the other end in terms of your relationships with other people or where you live or how you live. And and really figure that out. And once you have what is most important to you and where you're headed, then it's a lot easier <laughs> to allocate your time. And at that point, it's just um, tactical. It's it's making a calendar and deciding, you know, today is administrative day or tomorrow is my project day for, you know, developing um, new training plans for this specific program that interests me. Um, and, and that's almost the easy part. If you know what you Mm -hmm. want to do and what's important to you, it's just a matter of taking that little block of time on your calendar and going, what fits, (laughs) what fits and and what do I need to, to kick out? (laughs) Well, this has been such a fun conversation and really interesting. I, I, I appreciate the quote you shared because it gives us a greater insight into you, but also helps people uh, sort of explore their own ideas about choice and time and, and what they're doing with their lives. So um, that's been awesome. If people wanted to learn more about you and your work, how could they do that? So I would love for people to learn more. I think the first thing is, of course, the IABC is a great organization. If you're an animal behavior trainer or consultant, you can find us at IABC.org. And then personally, I still have my business hands full dog training in Kansas, and we still have our online course that we made during the pandemic that is now open to the public and anyone can sign up for it. It's at learn.handsfulldogtraining.com. And I also just started a new podcast (laughs) that is geared towards my original niche of helping families with dogs to live in harmony together and helping them navigate our industry. And it's called hands full dog training because I am creative. (laughs) How awesome. I didn't know about that. That is so fun. I will have links to all of that in the show notes. Super. Now I have like 10,000 questions to ask you about your podcast, but we're wrapping up this episode. So I'm not going to do it. They're going to have to go to the link themselves and listen to the episodes. So thank you so much for joining me on Unleashed at Work and Home today, Catherine. It's been so fun talking to you. Yes, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Unleashed at Work and Home. I invite you to come learn more at ColleenPilar.com where you can be steady, be strong, and be long.